content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. And so does part two of our conversation with George. You're right. I agree. I can't wait for people to hear. You know, guy, I yeah, I talk to George frequently because I'm supervising him, and I just I could talk to him all day because he has such great stories about experiences with that position that he holds doing the FBAs. So you know, we ended uh, part one with him talking about his experience, and then we began part two just a little bit about his wife's Pilates studio. So let's listen a little more about George and his experience in public schools. And you mentioned your wife um, having retired from her first career, just a little free advertising. George's mm-hmm. wife owns a ballet and Pilates studio named Pilates by Victoria. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ballet and Pilates by Victoria. If you're in the West Houston area, uh, look us up. Tell them George sent you. And guess what, Sissy? <laughs> it's such a coincidence. My sister goes there. Oh, that's exciting. That's fun. It's a small world, isn't it? It, sh- it sure is. <laughs> it's really funny because Susan and I just figured that out after knowing each other for like three or four months. It just oh, we were walking into a training. Yeah. And I was like, so tell me what your wife does. And he goes, she owns a Pilates studio. And I was like, oh, and I go, where? And he told me and I go, my sister goes there <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So I know it's Friday and it's almost five o'clock, so I'm not going to, we don't want to keep you forever, but I do have a couple of questions just for my, well, our audience too. Do you have any, just not from your current job, but any from your past experiences, which I forgot that you started as paraprofessional with a bachelor's and then you moved into behavior specialist and you were in that district in that position for a bit, right? Yes, ma'am. And then you moved into the other district, the other district performing what you're doing now. And so given all of those experiences, is there anything like super funny or something, something that super touches your heart that you won't forget? Oh, oh yes. I've got one. I mean, daily I'm, yes. uh, you know, feel so privileged to be doing this work, right? Uh, every day is a, you know, a gift, but uh, I'll tell you early on in the clinical setting, I was working with a kiddo. And for whatever reason, we were doubling up sessions in one room. So we maybe were working on parallel play with two two clients or something. Uh, but I was working with one one kiddo. Let's call him Donald. And I was working on him saying, uh, you know, okay, George. So I was modeling him to say, okay, George, or something like that. And the kid that I wasn't working with, let's call him Mickey, said, yeah, okay, George. And that <laughs> so. Uh, that was, that, that made me do a backflip because that, that kid had like maybe three words in his vocabulary at that time. Right. It was, it was, uh, up, you know, bites and and mommy. So if, if, if George is in there now, like that's, I'm locked in, I've got it. So that little, that, that was a little zing that I'll remember till I'm a hundred and five years old. Uh, and that's what locked me into wanting to do this long-term. Well, I'm so glad that that little boy decided to use his words because now you're here. <laughs> yeah. So any other stories or not so great stories that you feel like talking about or? Nah, I, I like to focus on on the good. I think okay. all professionals have plenty of the not so good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we got to keep our chins up and, and keep 
moving forward and, and focusing on the on the good stuff because the job's hard enough as it, it is. is. I was laughing the other day. I was in a district, sort of a used to be more rural than it is now. And this behavior specialist was telling me stories about these kids and their home lives. And I was like, I, no one would even believe, you know, if someone was sitting down with us who was not in public education, they would not believe the stories that as educators we go home with. You know, so I love that. And you are a super, super positive person. Let me ask you this. When do you take the test? If I keep getting hours like I am, uh, projected in, in the summer, this coming summer. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a trek, but uh, it's been a good one. There's no doubt that you're going to pass on the first try. I just absolutely <laughs> know that. And so <laughs> you. do you have any advice for people with similar jobs? And along with that, do you have any advice for folks in your position who are going to be future BCBAs? Absolutely. The, the first thing I would implore people to do in, in this work and really any line of work is, is find and identify some people you can model yourself after. Um, and it doesn't have to be someone, you know, in a supervisory role. It can be, it can be someone underneath you uh, and, and identify what you like about what they do. And, and try to incorporate that into your process. And you can do that for different parts of your, your role, right? You can say, oh, well, I like the way Susan leads trainings. And you can say, I like the way Sissy sets up uh, work systems. Uh, I like the way that Becky does parent interviews, right? Yes. You just take different pieces and, and use that to improve the work you provide. I love that. Um, and I and I love that sometimes it's a paraprofessional that you met 10 years absolutely. ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can remember Ann Bella and I will say her name and she won't mind me saying it. She was a paraeducator in my classroom and she was always so calm and consistent with the students. And the other thing that I really didn't think about that she really made me think about was uh, there was a young lady who was not special needs. She was a gen ed little girl that I had a special bond with. And um, she kind of came from an impoverished setting and the children were allowed to have snack whenever they wanted them. And she didn't always have a snack. So she would come to my room to get a snack. And one day when she came to the door and was at the door and she said, oh yeah, we don't have any snacks today. And, you know, I'm standing there stunned because I want my little friend to have a snack, you know, but I didn't say anything while she was there. I waited for her to walk away. And I said, we have snacks, though. And she said, life is not going to have a snack for her every day. She is not going to be able to get something every time she asks someone. Yes, we can provide her a snack on a regular basis, but we also need to help her understand that sometimes it's not going to be available. And I was, I, yeah, I was just, you know, at first, I was stunned that she wasn't providing a snack to her. But the other piece was, wow, that was a much more valuable lesson uh, for her to to have is, yeah, people are going to help me, but sometimes help is not going to be available and and I'll be okay, you know? So uh, yeah, she taught me many, many things and I have many stories about Ann Bella, but um, that one is- Was that her name? Yeah, yeah. Her last name is Bella. And I said, oh, you're- your husband knew he needed to give you that name, you know, because Bella means beautiful. So yeah. uh, anyway, that was that's a, a different piece. But 
I have absolutely learned from some amazing people, you know, like I might be their supervisor and yet they're providing valuable information oh, to for me. Sure. Yeah. For sure. So George, what what are your goals once you pass the test next summer? What do you plan do you plan on staying in that position? Like do you have any long-term goals, short-term goals, anything like that? As far as my own professional work, I don't really it, I don't see it changing too much of what I'm doing now. Like I, I'll gladly stay in this role until okay. uh, I retire or similar roles. Cool. But I do want to kind of pay it forward and, and eventually uh, supervise other BCBAs. I think we need more in the field, in the public, uh, just yeah. in the, especially in the public education field. We we need more. Um, we're just so overloaded, and and it's you know I don't have to preach to you guys how invaluable. It is to the schools and our kids and our teachers. It's it's much needed. So I want to bring as many more knowledgeable and, and helpful people as I can. So that's my plan. I love the plan. And you're in great district who helps you and supports you. And I know you've got a great supervisor who supports you and helps you and is kind of like lets you do what you want to do. I mean, that's saying, you know, you know, and (laughs) I did not let you finish the question about advice to future BCBAs. Did you want to say anything about that? uh, I guess, I guess the last piece there, well, let me talk on my, my supervisor and and that the being in the district, it's, it's kind of feeds into my last piece of advice. I feel very valued. My my supervisor knows my background in, in behavior and will often, you know, ask my opinion about things or, at the onset, since the position was new, it was building from the ground up in a lot of ways. And her background, she's an LSSP, but she's very behaviorally minded. She she can kind of switch on and off the LSSP part when the situation dictates. But at the onset, she was like, you guys are the experts. If there's certain forms or certain process you use, share it with the district. Let us know. And and she's just been very, very helpful and and. The very much a collaborative approach, which uh, which makes all the difference in the world. Oh my um, and that feeds into my second kind of piece of advice: is listen to your gut. If you're a professional out there, um, make sure you're in a place that you feel good about. Right? Not just are the strategies and things we're using are they technically adequate, but also do you feel valued? Do you do the people above you and below you? acknowledge your expertise and, and uh, want to work collaboratively with you. And I'm not saying they have to listen to you and only you for every little thing, but they, they should appreciate your your background in, in ABA and your knowledge and, and use that to inform their decisions. So that's... I love that. And what a piece that you can take from her or him in terms of, you know, how, what you want to do when you grow up, for a better, lack of better words, you know, like taking that little piece of information to the character traits for people that you've met along the way. And that's a huge one is to value other people. And I think that was, you know, something that you learned sadly through experience. And now you have people around you who do that, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. Uh, now, you know, I, I, am happy to go to work and, and then, um, you know, you don't mind writing reports in the evening because, yeah, that's what it takes sometimes. So, isn't it so? You know, you had said something. You didn't use the word blessed, but I was going to interject blessed for you and use better words. But aren't <laughs> we all so blessed that we do wake up and are excited to go to work? Not that we're not excited to go home, but you know, just yeah. 
we really are. And I know all three of us have worked hard to be in this position. But um, again, it's I know I'm taking note of the time and I know that Sissy probably has some notes and questions. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that, Sissy. Sure. There were several things that you said that I just kind of wanted to go back to because I think pieces of this can be really powerful for for people. So the young man who had to be isolated because his behaviors were so significant, um, was he able to move out of isolation? Unfortunately not. He ended his, you know, they age out at 22. So he ended, ended his isolation. We did start slowly going on like walks around the pavilion and, and things like that, which is, you know, that was some progress. But as far as going into other classrooms or something like that, it, uh, unfortunately, it, it, he didn't uh, quite make it there. No, but to develop things like being able to take a walk, that's something that a family can do, a caregiver can yes. do. So, you know, even though maybe he wasn't able to join a high school classroom, which, you know, most 22-year-olds aren't going to be sitting in a high school classroom, uh, but he was able to develop some skills that would be useful to him as he exit public school and be able to share with the family, okay, he can sort the laundry for you. He can sort the, set the table for you. He can, um, you know, he, here are skills and things that he has accomplished while he's with us. And here are some ideas of what his day might look like now that he's leaving public school. And that is extremely valuable to, to families. So, and being able to go, on a, go out on a walk, you know, you may not be yeah. going to Walmart, but you can go in the neighborhood and, or even the backyard, you know, or a neighborhood yeah. park or something. And that's super valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good uh, point to make to see and uh, to highlight the fact that success looks different for everyone. Right. You know, keep that in mind, uh, educators, professionals and parents out there don't have any assumptions about where the kids should be and and where they are um just just appreciate that you're making some sort of progress and and so the other piece that really stood out to me was you had a student who had a one incident of a behavior and you did an FBA and it didn't require a BIP but you had ideas to share with the IEP committee which i think that can be, you know, just because an FBA doesn't generate a BIP doesn't mean we aren't going to get some good information. And um, I love that idea. I, I do too. And I hope you're finished with your question or your comment because George and I have talked about that process along the way and, and, and the conversations with parents. And, you know, it ended up being very helpful for the staff, the administrators, the parents, the student. And I love that people hopefully will hear that like you said, Sissy, just because we're doing an FBA does not automatically result in a behavior intervention plan. It might result in social and behavior goals, which is, I think, what happened in that case. Right, George? Yeah, the, the, there was just a little uh, young man that, you know, go figure. He had autism. He had difficulties with social communication. What do you know? So we came up with like a little card protocol to where if he gets in a situation, he can pull this out and it'll and, you know, it says something to the effect of, I have a neurological condition that makes expressive communication difficult for me. It, please contact A, B, and C to speak for my behalf if if needed. So just he can have a little, uh, literally a card up his uh, up his sleeve yeah. to to assist him when he needs. Um, and that's 
that's all he really needed. Um, I love it. And, ver- you know, and versus making statements that scare people and making right. statements that make administrators uncomfortable, you know, and right. then administrators get uncomfortable. And then we have this whole process of doing an FBA when, and, and I'm glad you did because you got involved and the old, really that was what helped him, you know, which is so cool. And a high school student, you know, he's not like a third grader. Yeah. The other thing, as we were talking that I was thinking is all the time, those of us who studied to take the test or those who are studying to take the test, it's always a question. Have you figured out what study age you plan to use as you're preparing for the test? The the book. <laughs> the book. No, I, the big I, white I, uh, Bible? <laughs> yeah, the Cooper book. I, I kind of have my own process. I write down things down on flashcards and repeat and things. Although I do know of there's like there's a slew of helpful uh, tools. Um, I actually bought a second book off a friend that she had used, and she had already marked it up and tapped it up. And I think she used this. Uh, I think it's Study Notes ABA. I don't know. It's a real cutesy type thing. There's pictures of dogs. My wife made fun of me because the uh, the book is all bedazzled up, and 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 I mean it looks marvelous, but it certainly wasn't my effort. So yeah, if you're if you're out there studying, find a process that works for you, and, and latch onto it. Reach out to other people that are about to take the test, and just you know, make make it a collaborative effort. Quiz each other. Yeah, uh, things like things like that. I, I love listening to y'all's podcast because you have those little questions at the end. He's such kind of, a fan. I know he's yeah. listening. I yeah, really yeah. I, I do feel like. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller, a little bit over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoy those and, and just get get as much exposure as you can. And you live it podcast. every day and you live it at home too with your kids. And I also just want to say, you know, as you get to that place where you're studying, I, I don't want you to spend a lot of time and money on some of those cutesy things um, because I know people who have and really, you know, like you said, being collaborative with other people and quizzing each other and flashcards and knowing the Cooper book, in my experience, I'll just say those were the most, when I took the test, there weren't cutesy things out there. There weren't any bedazzled things. So I didn't have the opportunity, but everybody's different. So we really appreciate you spending time with us. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that people are inspired to try some of the things you've talked about to potentially work to become behavior analysts because as you said we need tons of them we do yeah well thanks for having me guys i i I think it's so great y'all's podcast is so informative and 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 inspiring some of your guests are just amazing and i'm happy to be counted amongst them so i'm happy to do it thanks so much i appreciate you guys you're the best george and i'm sorry that the only day we could schedule was a friday afternoon when it's cold and rainy so i know you've got a trek to get home and we are definitely going to have you back once you pass the test to hear about your experience and things like that. So you're the best. Thank you, George. We adore you. You know that. Take care, y'all. Yeah. So wasn't that cool, Sissy, just to have that conversation with George and to understand um, and remember where he came from and where he is now. It's so exciting. What I really loved about that conversation is the young man that he worked with in school where he worked pretty much one-on-one in a classroom and then was able to you know, to some degree and help the young man have a better quality of life by being able to, you know, walk around the campus. And some people would say, you know, but he didn't go into gen ed. And, you know, for a kid like that, I don't know that he needs to go into it. 
you know, algebra classroom, but he was able to experience different parts of the school. And although he's not working at Walmart, you know, like you said, Sissy, success looks different for everyone. And I I really appreciate that story. Me too. You know, particularly the older our children, our, our students, our clients get, you know, as they're getting to that age of exiting public school, we really have to ask ourselves, what does that year after public school look like? What does that day look like? And what can we do to help support that individual and that family in having productive, fun days and in putting those skills in place? If they had not worked with that young man, um, he would have gone home with many behaviors that would have been very difficult for his family to manage. But because they got in there and got a lot of good work done, they were able to say, here are the things that he can do. We can help you set up an area for him to, you know, engage in these leisure activities, engage in some work activities. And he likes to take a walk. He likes to, you know, and be able to talk about the things that he could do for them. And that's very important. We all need that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that we have a test question that surrounds the topic of functional behavior assessment. So yeah, you You already explained FBA stands for functional behavior assessment. What are the things that we know about a functional behavior assessment? A, an FBA collects data to discover the function of a challenging behavior. B, an FBA collects data to look for setting events and antecedents that lead to a challenging behavior. C, an FBA always results in a BIP. D, all of the above are true. E, A and B only are true. Well, that's an easy one because we know that an FBA always looks to identify function. FBA always looks to identify antecedents and setting events. And thankfully, as we learned through George, an FBA does not always equal a BIP. And I, I love that story. And I know, happen to know a little bit more detail about that story, that, you know, it wasn't a kid who really needed a BIP, right? He just needed right. supports and services to help him be more successful so that he doesn't have that problem on the bus anymore. So definitely. Yeah, the FBA helped gather information that helped them put some strategies in place, but he didn't need a BIP to track it on the regular, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that's a great example of people going, well, it was one time on the bus. Good grief. Why do we have to do, you know, we have to do an MDR and now we have to do an FBA. I'm certainly glad they did because they found out things that they would not have known had they not done that. And I love the fact that it resulted in um, behavior and social goals. So good question, Sissy. One thing I didn't mean is an FBA will frequently also uh, come up with consequences that would be beneficials, reinforcers that are strong and would be helpful or are helping with a plan when you do need a BIP. So the information from the, we didn't mention that, but we don't, you know, the test questions for the BCBA aren't going to give every little detail and you are going to have to dig through and figure out which ones are they talking about and which ones are they trying to trick me with. (laughs) And I, I think the word always and never is always a good tell. Um, and also, of course, we know FBA's results hopefully result in appropriate replacement behaviors. Oh, yes. So we hope that you enjoyed part one and part two of George. I do want to say I really enjoyed George's advice 
for those of you that are studying to take the test. I thought that was really great in forming a community and just knowing, you know, what you need to study and what your study habits are, what works best for you. And of course, before we go, we always have to wish George great luck as he takes his test this summer and he will be back as soon as he passes that test on the first try. So as always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Troy, our sound editor. Thank you, Joe, our executive producer. We hope you have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye, guys.